0: What's up, everyone? This is Christy Drupman with Brown Girl Green, where I interview environmental leaders and advocates about justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, as well as creative solutions to the climate crisis. I'm working to change what it means to be an environmentalist in the 21st century. So I'm so excited for today's podcast episode. We have the incredible Bodhi joining us today. And we are going to dive into his story, his work as an ocean advocate, and also tell you more information about the Toms of Maine Incubator Program that you can get involved in if you are an early career leader in your community. Bodhi Patel is a UN-recognized, award-winning Gen Z ocean climate solutionist dedicated to improving the interconnectedness between ocean health and human health. He is the founder and CEO of Inner Light, empowering a generation to build resilience from the inside out for people and planetary well-being. He is co-creator and co-founder of Ocean Uprise and Sea Dragon Studios and advises several love-based climate organizations on a mission to protect our blue planet. And he's been featured by the UN, Forbes, Economist Impact, Wildlife Conservation Society, Oceanic Global, and has presented to world leaders at over 10 global climate conferences. So I'm really excited to have Bodhi on the show today, mostly because we met. Was it this year or last year? I don't even know when I met you the first time. But I, I feel like when I first met Bodhi, I was just like really blown away at, you know, his energy and passion for the ocean. He's someone that has just been such a huge advocate in the ocean space and beyond. And I'm just really grateful to have him on the show today to talk about that passion, share it with you all and his journey. Thank you so much, Bodhi, for joining the show today.
1: I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you, Christy. And you've definitely been a hero of mine for the last couple of years on my environmental and climate journey. So it's cool to be working with the legends.
0: Amazing. Well, you know, let's just dive in to your journey. Can you tell us how you first got started as a youth activist working in the ocean space?
1: Absolutely. So I was born in Washington, D.C., and then I moved to Jakarta, Indonesia. And when I was two till six, I lived in Indonesia and I went diving on the coral reef for my first time when I was four years old and going out past the reef, past the drop off and seeing this beautiful thriving coral reef full of many different species of coral, seeing a black tiff reef shark encircle a turtle and a school of fish. I realized that that was a circle of life and walking out of the water that day on my four year old little feet, I realized that I would dedicate my life to protecting the ocean because it's something that I fell in love with in that instant, in that moment, and I knew it would be a connective thread throughout my life. And I'm really grateful to my parents and having a supportive family that loved the ocean as well that encouraged me to connect with that on a deep level.
0: That's incredible. And, you know, it sounds like you've followed your own journey and your own path. What were some of the tools or the mentors? You mentioned your parents, but what, what were some of the things that allowed you to build, you know, this more lifetime career and journey towards Ocean Advocacy?
1: Yeah, I think the first and most important thing that every young person and every person should know is that you have to develop meaningful lifelong relationships with mentors. And this is intergenerational, both those who are older than you and those who are younger than you and your peers. And for me, it was definitely developing a relationship with the world's leading expert and scientist on ocean health and human health, Dr. Laura Fleming, who's a scholar, developing a relationship with the ocean itself and learning that the ocean has so many different layers to unpack. Quite literally when you look at the ocean there's so many different depths and layers and ways of analyzing the ocean. And of course developing relationships with peers and friends who also shared a similar connection and, and completely different connection from different backgrounds and I realized The strength of a movement lies in its diversity i think that's a really common thread that we have and making sure to connect with the ocean and connect with the environment in a way that's intimate and ancestral has really helped me to Mm. bring like and live my work every day even if i'm not in the ocean even if i'm not by the coast because i realize the same water that's within us has touched pretty much everything on this planet it's cycled through the watershed for millions of years and that's why we're all connected so in terms of mentorship and having guidance it's definitely from nature from some inspired adult mentors from family and most importantly from the ocean herself.
0: Incredible, and can you walk us through, you know, your work at Ocean Uprise and the UN? You know, you've been in so many different forums as a youth voice and advocate for protecting the oceans. Could you walk us through what some of that work and some of your amazing campaigns I'd love for you to share as well has looked like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So after I graduated high school, I realized that there weren't enough youth advocacy and youth ocean climate action opportunities for young Mm. people in general. So I decided to pitch Parlay for the Oceans, an international organization and collaboration space, to create a youth program and build up Ocean Uprise, which is a youth-led ocean climate action. So
0: you pitched for that? Yeah,
1: I pitched to build this movement that was, like, call it sleeping dormant for a little bit during the pandemic and revitalize a wave of change that I knew our generation needed because... So many young people care about the ocean, yet so many don't know where to get started Mm. in their ocean advocacy and ocean activism and ocean solutions journey. Mm -hmm. And so Ocean Uprise was a home base to do that. And now it's really evolved from me and a couple alumni from a summit we had on the north shore of Oahu to 5,000 young people all around the world covering over 30 plus countries with different internships and opportunities for people to really upskill and start their careers.
0: And what are some of the activities that folks in you know, your organization have done? Like, What are some of like the campaigns or the things that get you really excited?
1: Yeah, so the biggest thing for Ocean Uprise is we have an internship. And this internship basically teaches young people all around the world about how they can learn, connect, and act to protect the ocean. And now that we work in different countries, we work on different ecosystems. So we have blue carbon ecosystems that focus on mangroves, kelp seagrass, etc. Basically ecosystems that sequester carbon and keep it in sediment and in their beautiful chlorophyll leaves. And underwater is particularly with phytoplankton. Anyways, not getting into marine science focus. (laughs) It's really important what we've done because it's basically created a community and we know the power of community is essential to protecting the ocean, to protecting the climate, and that's what keeps us inspired and having the skills in order to lead the campaigns and activism work. And so what we've done is push for a global moratorium on deep-sea mining that we'll unpack. We've pushed for different advocacy and intergenerational collaboration for different ocean organizations and companies. We've helped ocean and climate tech companies have more young people on their boards and in C-suites. And through my work, I've really focused on making sure that young people have equitable and equal access to opportunities, especially those that live on the coast or live on the ocean on these Pacific islands that are threatened and really on the front lines of climate change. So, work with Ocean Uprise, really expanded into this global movement and my own advocacy that's grown and grown kind of like a huge mangrove or like a kelp forest underwater. And like now we're kind of getting to see the benefits of that and the impact.
0: Amazing. And for people who don't know, you mentioned deep sea mining. Just, I want to do another breakdown. We've talked about this on the Brown Girl Green podcast several times. Definitely check out the deep sea mining series that I've done on the show if people haven't checked it out to really dive into the details on this, but can you talk a little bit more on what's at stake for the oceans, including deep sea mining? Like what's at risk? Why should people care about the oceans right now?
1: Yeah. So just a Ocean 101, the yeah. ocean is the largest carbon sink. Of course, it's the largest body of water on the planet. Covers about 70% of the planet. The Pacific Ocean covers about 50% of all water space on the planet. It's a huge, vast, important regulator for global temperature, for global climate. Of course, it sequesters and draws down and has kept the most amount of carbon in the Earth for the longest period of time. The ocean also provides over 3 billion people their primary substance and food source from seafood, and it also provides billions of jobs in the blue economy. So, those are a few reasons why you should connect with the ocean. The biggest one, is, of course, the reason why you're breathing right now is because of the ocean. Every half breath you take or every other breath you take comes from photosynthesizing marine greens like phytoplankton in the ocean. That's responsible for our oxygen. So that's why you should love the ocean. Plus, it's beautiful and serene, and it creates a concept of blue mind where you feel at peace. And it's incredible to go underwater if you have the chance or by the beach, you know you feel good. And uh, the idea of basically... Ocean exploitation through deep sea mining is this emerging industry that's looking to clear cut the bottom of the ocean. And unlike on land, at the bottom of the ocean, most people can't see what's happening. So deep sea bed mining is like clear cutting a forest. And this forest, in this case, instead of trees, it's these polymetallic nodules, which are these mineral rich clumps of material. They kind of look like crystalline balls, just a lot less pretty on the bottom of the seafloor. And the idea is that these companies who aren't going to be able to share any sort of benefits with the communities and the peoples that have protected these deep sea environments for millions of years or hundreds of thousands of years. are going to basically exploit all these minerals and create huge sediment plumes that will affect biodiversity up and down the entire water column, so this small act of mining for very limited materials that isn't economic. Will result in a host of biodiversity and ecological impacts Mm -hmm. and we have to stop deep sea bed mining before it starts and that's why i've been working with so many organizations and leaders that's why you've been bringing advocacy to deep sea mining in the moratorium Mm -hmm. so that we can help to create a more just world by focusing on alternative materials and alternative innovation
0: thank you so much for sharing that with folks and i i think it's really important to understand that we don't have our oceans you're not going to be able to breathe (laughs)
1: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So just putting that out there, people. And so, you know, I really want to talk about your courage in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. to be a leader in this space. I think it takes a certain level of awareness and resiliency especially when youth voices aren't always the most prioritized. In fact, they can sometimes be tokenized in some of these spaces. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to know a little bit more in your journey around ocean advocacy. How do you feel like, how am I trying to phrase this? I'm trying to say like, I'm trying to say like how, like how did you just like take up that space? Like, yeah, yeah, like, like, what was your journey and just being like, you know what, like, I'm not gonna wait. It doesn't matter how old I am. It doesn't matter, like, the level of expertise I have. This is something I care about. Like, how did you just kind of like, get over those fears and really just say, you know what, this is what's right. And I need to do something about it.
1: Yeah, I I would love to share my story and journey of inner light because that's where it all started. Mm -hmm. And it definitely wasn't just one day I woke up and (laughs) had courage to go and advocate for the ocean and stand up to these large organizations that are looking to exploit her. It was a long process and one that also involved overcoming depression and a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. And when I moved around the world and after I lived in Indonesia, I lived in the Middle East and then I lived on the North Coast and sorry, I lived on the East Coast and the West Coast of North America. And during that time, I kind of felt like a tree that was uprooted and replanted. Like, if you you pull out a little tree sapling, you'll notice all the roots dangling. And over time, as I was replanted and replanted, I lost that root structure, which is the essence for how I capture and grow. Mm. And so when I was replanted again back to Arlington, Virginia, where I went to middle and high school, I felt like I had no roots. Even though I had a great support system of a family and resources in my community, I didn't feel like I had what I need to feel good in my life. So Mm. I was really discouraged and I was depressed and I was anxious and I realized that I needed to do something in order to feel better and it was coming to the point where I wasn't doing well in my life. So my mom, who's a health coach, taught me some really important tools. And she started with deep breathing and of course that's our link to the ocean and so taking a deep breath quite literally (sighs) can really like change and slow down your heart and slow down your mind and reconnect you Mm. and through tools for a strong body calm mind and vibrant spirit i learned how to find my inner light again that seemed very clouded and dark and i knew that there was hope and i knew that there was light at the end of the tunnel Mm. and so Me and my mom decided to create a business, so in sixth grade I created my first business called Inner Light, (laughs) and it's helping young people find the inner resiliency so they can have climate resiliency to create a healthier planet. And it's really simple because we know we need to feel good Mm -hmm. in order to do good Mm -hmm. and have a positive impact on the world. Of course you know that as you continue to educate millions of people around the world like that is the most important piece Mm. and so we did a bunch of workshops all around the world in the us and canada and india in lummi nation in washington state and on a number of first nations and indigenous reserves because youth depression and suicide rate is high Mm. and i realized that in order to have resiliency on the outside to Mm -hmm. to act and to advocate and to be a presence of positive light for the ocean we first need to have inner resiliency. And so that's okay. where the journey started with inner light and it's something growing and something that everyone can refine and kindle especially when you feel like you mm-hmm. have no hope.
0: I really love that. I think it's it's also great that you you've brought it up as a journey, right? Because I think it's it's a personal journey like navigating eco anxiety or climate anxiety is such a personal journey and I think mm-hmm. that requires people to also tap into their inner light as you're saying and and that's a journey in and of itself that I think needs to be done in community and I think that's really amazing that what you and your mom have done has started creating that space right for people to know that there's a resource Mm -hmm. that they're not just alone in that because I think sometimes with activism it can feel very isolating or you know you see people like yourself or some other people and they're like oh that's what an an activist is right and then it's like oh but what can i do and then you fall into this pit of isolation and you and you feel so disconnected from things and and that's what leads to that cycle right so i think it's amazing that like you've developed this awareness that there could be a different blueprint Mm -hmm. especially for young people getting involved in this work because Mm -hmm. my experience was that i got burnt out from this work multiple times especially when I was younger and mental health wasn't as much of a conversation as it is now and it's amazing that it is becoming more less taboo to go to things like therapy and to have that support but it's a really important thing when we talk about you know young people taking action there needs to be support systems for that and I think it's amazing that you've been able to create the systems for both organizational shifts but also like encouraging people to have that you know self-care community care for each other because that ultimately is what wins it's not about this you know grind to the end scarcity mindset having to rely on you know very little resources and constantly constantly having to like always feel like you're never enough yeah and so it's really important that we create more of a culture of abundance in our activism Mm -hmm. a space of community and abundance in our activism and i think you're someone that really embodies that too and like wants to push that message forward and i think we need more of that so i'm just grateful that that's part of your journey as well
1: thank you and i think that's what exactly what you said is what creates this joyful revolution it's a revolution for climate for environment for oceans that are all interconnected it's also one that's done with joy with love Mm. and these values that we know have helped to heal the earth system in the past which are reciprocity and respect and reverence for those around us and for the being that gives us all life, which is the ocean.
0: Right. So, on that topic of abundance and resources, I really wanted to talk about the Toms of Maine Incubator, which is an incredible program that's designed to propel the next generation of leaders from marginalized communities who are driving environmental solutions in their areas. And you know, what's amazing about this program is that it provides funding, mentorship, amplification and support to early career change makers. And it's really awesome because the whole program is literally designed for, you know, early career change makers and people who are early on in their activism and work in the world to get access to support systems directly to get access to money directly for what they want to do and I think for a lot of BIPOC and marginalized communities who are doing frontline work to address environmental justice issues across this nation and the world there's limited resources out there it can be so difficult to apply for grants and funding and on top of that get lifetime you know support PR exposure for your campaigns and initiatives. And this program kind of cuts through the red tape, makes it really easy and accessible. And so I just wanted to ask you about why'd you get involved with the Toms of Maine incubator program, what your journey has been and all those things.
1: Absolutely. And yes, Toms of Maine has equipped us with resources and capital and community that we've needed to upscale our projects and that's imperative it's also helping to set an industry standard so other organizations of all kinds and calibers can support youth environmental justice workers, activists, solutionists, and focus on expanding their environmental initiatives because it's a really great model to use. So my personal story in connection with Tom's of Maine, my dear friend, and in the ocean climate community, there's a lot of friendships and community members that are always willing to support each other. So young people just share resources with each other, and that's been so helpful. And my friends have like always been like, hey, this is a great opportunity. So I got a text like, hey, this is an awesome opportunity with Tom's of Maine, make sure to apply. And I was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> it's a really easy application. So I recorded a video saying why I think it's important to include the ocean in the fight to reversing climate change, and especially upskilling and equipping ocean youth workers and ocean youth solutionists with resources that we need. Because again, it's not necessarily abundant. The ocean actually suffers from an about 150 billion dollar funding gap per year and that includes all the young people that are doing volunteer work to help Mm -hmm. protect and restore the health of the ocean and so I needed I needed that money and I was like let's apply like why not and I was really (laughs) I was really stoked because a couple weeks later on my way back from COP 27 in el Sheikh Egypt I got this great news in my inbox saying that you got accepted and I was like, whoa, this is awesome, I'm so excited. And of course, it was with four other young women who were also accepted that are incredible environmental justice, activists that are my heroes and I was so stoked to be in a cohort with them. And yeah, so I applied to represent and grow One World Breath. And One World Breath is a youth-led ocean climate action movement that is focused on reconnecting young people to themselves, their communities, and the planet through breath. And we know one half breath comes from forests of the sea, so underwater kelp forests and these photosynthesizing microgreens that we explained earlier, and one half breath comes from forests on land. So together, land and sea create the oxygen that we need. And we know that one of the biggest things that we need to do in order to create a healthier and more just world is reconnect people to their environments. That means their internal and external environments in the world around us. So one world breath through Beth is creating this reconnection movement. And we made a music video with Dr. Jane Goodall, everyone's hero, and Dr. Craig Foster as well from My Octopus Teacher. If you saw that movie with the guy in the octopus, that was him. <laughs> it was really heartwarming for a lot of people and showed how octopi are really incredible, intelligent species. And yeah, so through that, through One World Breath, I was accepted. And Tom Zemain has really given me kind of the community support. And with the other four young women that were chosen, who are amazing, and inspiring, has helped me also, like, step into that power of showing that the ocean is incredibly important in reversing climate change, that the ocean holds some of the most intelligent, most important and relevant solutions to climate change and also that ocean youth are important and need to be supported throughout their journeys. And so it's been really lovely to be a part of the program. And there's been many different evolutions of One World Breath that have happened as a result of that. And now One World Breath is going to gearing up to sharing a big movement at COP28 in Dubai, which will be an interesting experience. And really making sure that every young person, regardless of where you come from, knows that we're connected to each other and to our advocacy through breath and through this connection to the life force. And so it's a really strong reminder and thanks to the support of Tom, we've been, a- Tom's- I mean, we've been able to share this with the world in a more meaningful and intimate way.
0: And yeah, for people who don't know, I was actually a Toms of Maine incubator mentor this past year. Wanted to shout out to my mentee, Alexia, who was in the program this past year. And I was really supporting her through thinking through her journey as a grassroots environmental justice activist from Texas. And, you know, was just supporting her ideas around her campaigns, what she wants to do with her collective. And it was just really exciting to also be able as someone who's gone through my own journey of activism to support other you know youth activists that are growing in their journey Mm -hmm. and you know I learned a lot from my own experiences and a lot of it coming back to what we were talking about before was around burnout a lot of the Mm -hmm. I guess advice and conversations me and Alexia have had is about how do you take care of yourself in this work it's as much as it's about logistics I'm like okay these are the campaigns all these things I think a lot of Especially young people and activists, like I think we're very good at organizing. We're good at figuring out and being very clear about what we need. But to have yeah. the actual support systems to nourish that vision, it, that's there's a there's an imbalance there, right? Yeah. And so I think it's really cool that a program like the Thomson Main Incubator Program is trying to like bring that more into equilibrium, where it's like, okay, you have these great ideas. You clearly know what you would do with, if you were given X thousand amount dollar of money for your campaign, you know, who you talk to, what campaigns you'd run, the petitions you would want signed, you know, all these things. And it's like, you just need the vehicle and the people to resource and make that happen, right? And I think it's just really cool that this program exists because it has that inherent awareness of that gap, especially when it comes to equity and inclusion in the activism space. And I think it's, yeah, it's just really impressive that a company like this cares enough to do that. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and necessary. Yeah, and, and you know, tell us a little bit more on like, what has those, that support system look like for you and your work? Obviously you've talked about, you know, the programming and the campaigns you're running, but just more of like, you know, the interpersonal, How's mm-hmm. this program supported your work?
1: I think it creates an opportunity to reflect and have the time and space and funding support to actually rekindle your inner light. And for me, burnout has been evident in my life and my journey, and definitely in the course of large campaigns, for instance, against deep sea mining, for instance, against different extractive industries and pollution and ocean plastic and marine debris. And also burnout has happened when I've been pushing for solutions as well, because we completely forget that we need to care for ourselves when we're always saying, hey, we need to protect the orcas for the southern resident killer whale population in the Salish Sea because they're critical for the food source that we eat. Or, hey, we need to protect this species or this species because it's imperative to creating a healthy ocean, which is what creates a healthy planet. And when we're pushing for the health of the planet, sometimes we forget to focus on the health of ourselves. And so the program has also enabled me to flip what I'm looking at instead of always looking from me to the outside looking from me to the inside and seeing hey what do i need for a strong body calm mind vibrant spirit what do i need for this concept of resilience Mm. that is ever evolving and changing and this concept of eco healing and eco spirituality and eco well-being that is also evolving and changing. And it's enabled me to spend more time connecting with nature and looking for these answers to the big questions that I have to scale up different campaigns and share initiatives with brands and businesses in a way that's been more intimate and more involved. And I'm really grateful because it gives us this like beautiful cushion Mm. in a way with the support and the fiscal support and also the community and the technological support in terms of different content creation that we want to do and different like campaigns that we want to develop and different media that we want to share and even sharing with different news outlets like forbes and different news outlets that are looking to increase the health and well-being of us through amplifying our work has been critical Mm -hmm. and yeah the program has been able to help One World Breath first of all grow and now we're getting and sharing the breaths of millions of young people from all the wor- all around the world and it's been a continual process and I'm um, starting with coastal communities and Pacific Islands because those communities are oftentimes the ones most affected by sea level rise and oceanic warming and coral bleaching and some of the largest threats that our ocean is facing and we need to hear their voices and see their faces and connect with their breaths first and foremost. And so like the program, like you said, when you are able to flip the script and look inside and feel how you need to feel Mm. in order to do good on the outside, you're not only benefiting yourself, you're benefiting every single person around you. And there's like these incredible ripple effects, just like when you throw a stone or rock into the water, you see it ripple like out, Mm. it's so true. And that's why I think one of the biggest calls to action that I have in my work and that the program has been able to support is focus on increasing your resiliency so that you can have climate resiliency. Because we know all the things that the world is suffering right now and we feel that pain and we feel that ecological grief and we need to make sure that we're healing ourselves so we can heal the planet. And it's simple and it's different for everyone and it's so important to focus on.
0: Yeah, and you know, I want to dive a little bit more into why you think it's so important for just straight up funding. (laughs) sources like you know a big part of this episode i wanted to talk about like the realities of funding things like ocean campaigns and i know that you just talked about there being a big funding gap like what do you feel like that kind of funding gap prevents more young people from getting like why do you feel like it prevents more young people from getting involved in this work
1: so working with over a hundred plus ocean organizations i found some really interesting Synergies and also some really interesting pitfalls within funding for young people Mm. first of all oftentimes internships and different media creation programs aren't funded or compensated specifically when they're regards to ocean protection ocean restoration coastal blue economies work because they're deemed as good projects Mm. and we know that there's this a little bit of this trap where young people have to work and continuously put effort into a project that they care very much about Mm -hmm. and not necessarily have any financial return. And it creates a little bit of a downward spiral where we're putting good work into the world and helping to Increase awareness and education and advocacy about the ocean and at the same time we're depleting our inner reserve So it's a very interesting relationship and we need to fill this gap for funding and paying for marginalized young people to have Internships within ocean organizations We need to fill this gap where young people are paid to participate in executive board and C-suite positions and in board meetings We need to make sure that young people are being supported through mentorship not only fiscally, also in their careers and opportunities, because those are kind of the the reciprocal relationships Mm. that we need to establish intergenerationally and through intergenerational collaboration can build. And I've realized that working with all these ocean organizations, and I won't name them all because there's so (laughs) many, a couple great ones are Sustainable Ocean Alliance, Oceanic (laughs) Global, and Ocean Uprise. I won't name the 97-plus others for your sake. And... It's been necessary to really increase the amount of resources and funding that young people have access to to grow projects, to create media that's Mm. engaging about the ocean, to educate, and most importantly, to have the ability to heal and care for themselves so they can heal and care for the ocean.
0: Mm. I love that you shared that. I think it's really important to give that breakdown for people because I think a lot of times people are like, oh, well, if you care, then why do you need to get paid for it? And it's like, well, that's what leads to burnout. That's what leads to these turnover rates where then all the pressure is being put on young people Mm -hmm. to do all this work to protect the planet, a planet that they didn't ask to be harmed the way it has been. They were born, you know, many were born into this world and didn't really, like, get to have a say on how much this planet has been exploited. (laughs) And it's like, okay, there needs to be a recognition of that, especially from organizations and entities that do have the resources who could offer the intergenerational support through mentors, through networks and platforms and funding sources. And I think it's really important that we see more businesses step up in this way to have that kind of next level of corporate accountability it's not enough to just say oh we're doing these things to show that we care about sustainability and climate change it's like okay then put your money where your mouth is Mm -hmm. and actually fund climate solutionists Mm -hmm. fund ocean solutionists and i think it's really important that that is where we can actually see numbers we can actually see impact because you're not just investing in some you know meta data set to prove that you reduce your carbon emissions you're actually investing in an activist who's deeply rooted and connected to their community accountable to those communities Mm -hmm. and are going to be able to plant the seeds to drive longer lasting impact and i think that's sometimes the issue with some businesses and companies it's like oh we want it we want this like short term very quick return but when it comes to social change work You have to plant the seeds. There has to be a foundation to be able to actually grow that and see that quote-unquote return in the long term. And so I think it's really amazing that, you know, the Toms and Main Incubator exists because it's not really, it's strategic in my opinion. I think it's really smart that they are taking the time to invest so deeply in people that are doing the work. And I think we just need to see more of that. And it's amazing that, they're setting the precedent for that as a company because yes. that, to me, that is true corporate accountability.
1: I 100% agree. And I think organizations can show their support to young people by creating and establishing and using existing models like the Tom's main incubator program is created so other organizations can follow along. And kind of like this is like flying a flag for true environmental justice principles because it's showing that you're putting your money where your mouth is all the points Christy mentioned are spot on, and we just need a whole new wave of organizations supporting, funding, and equipping young people with the resources they need to have an impactful response on the health of the ocean, the health of our climate, and health of our planet, which are all inextricably linked.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Bodhi, for sharing all of this, and I just want to have you also share why should someone listening today apply to a program like the Toms and in Main Incubator?
1: Yeah, so obviously for all the wonderful reasons we just mentioned and someone should like young people, you should apply for the Toms of Maine incubator because you have access to this incredible support system and this emerging community of creatives, creators, influencers, and most importantly, community members that are willing to support your work in a much deeper way than what you might perceive. And for me, this has meant establishing really like lifelong friendships and relationships with people like Christy who are not only leaders in their field, who are also dear friends and people that you can say, hey, I'm not so feeling feeling so great about this. Any tips? And like she'll be like, yeah, of course, do this and this. And it's like we're building these like active relationships. And those relationships are what's helping to heal our work and ourselves so that we can have our impact. And like this whole internal, external piece out like we really hit home today is so important because That's exactly what being a part of these programs gives Mm. you the opportunity to do. You're not Mm. always scrambling for the resources. You have everything you need in this beautiful package, and you're ready to go and share that with the world.
0: I love that. And... To finish us off uh, more officially, you know, what advice would you give to individuals, especially people who come from BIPOC and marginalized backgrounds who want to get into ocean advocacy but don't know how to start and maybe feel like they don't know if their voice is going to be really heard? What is your advice to those folks who may be listening today?
1: First thing, you can do anything. Second thing, connect with where your heart is telling you to go whatever makes your heart beat faster you know that that's what you need to focus on and third thing the climate venn diagram is something that's such a helpful resource that christy and dr I elizabeth johnson and danny washington and so many other leaders that have helped me grow in my career and life and also share this love with the world is super useful in finding the intersection of what you love what you're good at and what the world needs is so important so that's a great resource and i guess like a more genuine like heart-to-heart piece of advice more than the one, two, three is f- for a hundred percent sure, making sure that you are having the space to listen to your intuition. And that mm-hmm. means feeling and dusting off that inner light, letting that shine and listening to the result of that and listening to what your heart and intuition is telling you. And I think the biggest and most important thing in this climate journey for decision making for opportunities for what to do has been listening to my intuition personally mm-hmm. because that's kind of laid out a roadmap and a path and a way for me to swim through all these corals and ecosystems and navigate through this vast ocean and kind of get to the places and experience the things and do the things that I've always dreamed of and so listen to your intuition it's really powerful and People probably aren't telling
0: you that every day. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, it's funny because it's like, you know, the question would be about ocean conservation, but it's like maybe it could be oceans. It could be forests. It could be policymaking. It could be, you know, starting your own company. And I think like... I really love that that was your answer because I think sometimes people are like, okay, how do I protect the oceans? And it's like, we'll put that in the show notes. We'll share a lot of those organizations. But at the end of the day, your own journey and your own activism, no matter where it stands, wherever you're starting today or wherever, like, you know, I think the biggest thing is being able to listen to your own intuition and like start asking others for help and support and i think mm-hmm. if you really want more tangibles if maybe you're like okay there's that i would say that you know following the work of what Bodhi's doing being able to check out his work with his company his organization there's so much that storytelling that he does on his platform so i highly recommend people check him out and can you shout out yeah. your handle
1: yeah at bodhi underscore patil on instagram and innerlight.tv for a website with all the information you need to find yours.
0: Okay, great. And maybe, okay, maybe because I know some people want the little, the little things. This is your rapid fire. So like in one minute, like three orgs, three books, and maybe three calls to action. Yeah, let's do
1: it. So three organizations. One, follow and join Ocean Uprise to get all the skills you need to be a part of a global movement for ocean action. Two, if you're an ecopreneur or you're an ocean activist looking to take the next step in your journey, join and follow Sustainable Ocean Alliance. Apply for the number of grants and opportunities. And number three is follow Earth Echo and join a community of people that are focused on ocean advocacy, the High Seas Treaty, and a lot of different solutions that are focused on the environment. Three books that I found really helpful One is Blue Mind by Dr. Wallace J. Nichols, focusing on this inextricable link between our health and the health of the ocean. Number two, it's not necessarily a book that you might want to read, but it's really cool and it's exactly about this topic of ocean health and human health. It's a new textbook that I was really grateful to be a co-author of.
0: Co-author? Yeah,
1: I'm a 21-year-old textbook co-author, not finished university, so it's awesome. (laughs) On the way there, I'm a third year at the University of British Columbia, So it's a textbook that we'll drop in the show notes and hopefully I'll be able to share a free version. It's all about ocean health and human health and community solutions to climate crises. So that's exactly related to the topic. In terms of three really important actions, one is advocate for intergenerational collaboration. Two is support and join communities like Brown Girl Green. And three is make sure that you are sharing your message and story with the world because your message and story is so important and needed for the environmental movement. As we shared, the movement and power of the movement lies in diversity. And that's what really creates action. So we need to make sure that you're sharing your stories, you're connecting with climate, and you know that you're valued and loved.
0: Wow. Amazing. (laughs) And yeah, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts today, Bodhi. And so if you're not already inspired, I don't know what to tell you because that was pretty inspiring this episode. I learned so much It definitely woke me up even more to realizing how much I care about the oceans, want to take action, and not even just that. I want to, like, continue to support young leaders in their journey of taking action to address climate change. And with that being said, I recommend everyone listening to apply to the Tom's Main Incubator at Tom's Incubator.com. Applications are open until October 15th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. Definitely, definitely apply. This is such an incredible opportunity, especially for anyone out there that comes from, you know, a frontline, marginalized community where you have not received the type of funding or representation or support you've ever needed for the campaigns and the work that you're doing in the world. like. It is time to accept that this is a gift, that you deserve to apply for something like this. You deserve this type of funding. You deserve to have your work resourced. And I think for some of us who come from BIPOC and marginalized backgrounds, we have this imposter syndrome. We sometimes feel like we don't deserve the funding. I'm just going to continue to struggle in this. And I think that comes from a really valid place. That comes from our own intergenerational trauma from, you know our own families and the things we've gone through but i think at the end of the day your ancestors and the people in your life want you to embrace abundance they want you to take care of yourself they want you to be resourced mm-hmm. so affirm yourself that you deserve to apply to something like this that you have a chance that you have an opportunity and i really hope you take us up on it yeah. so again incubatorcom till october 15th don't miss out definitely apply and just learn about yourself. You know, apply, give it a good shot, and you're gonna learn so much about yourself, your organization, your initiatives. And it really is the first step towards stepping into your power. So definitely check that out. And for everyone listening to this show, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Brown Girl Green podcast. I'm your host, Christy Drutman. And I interview environmental leaders and advocates about diversity and inclusion, as well as creative solutions to the climate crisis. I recommend everyone subscribe to the Brown Girl Green Show, wherever you get your shows. Subscribe to the Brown Girl Green YouTube channel and follow the new Brown Girl Green Podcast Instagram at Brown Girl Green Podcast and Brown Girl underscore green, of course catch you on the next episode as mentioned this episode was sponsored by toms of maine to promote the toms of maine incubator you can apply at Incubator.com until october 15th for complete details including the official rules visit www.tomsofmaineincubator.com it is open to legal residents of the 50 United States and District of Columbia, including DACA recipients who are 18 to 30 years of age at time of entry and whose personal background or characteristics have impeded their access or exposure to the fields of climate, environmental science, and or sustainability. Void where prohibited, it begins 10 a.m. Eastern time on September 19, 2023 and ends 11.59 p.m. Eastern time On October 15th, 2023, no purchase necessary.